Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid. I am your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined this week by the one and only Tom King. Well, thank you. I feel special for that. And not the one and only Chris Evans, who has decided to go away to the USA for I don't know how long, hopefully not too long. <laughs> the foreseeable future. <laughs> the foreseeable future. Um, we are fresh off the back of the Monaco Grand Prix, and I think it's fair to say it was a bit of a quiet one this week but yeah. um we're going to do our best there's just the two of us it's a Stu and tom episode what could go wrong um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i'm going to jump right in tom um Let's ricardo that pole lap what about it yeah um something quite special i think to be perfectly honest because did he end up fully four tenths in front of everyone? I know that that was at one point he was four tenths up on everyone, uh, I and I don't think anyone then improved, did they? When they went out a second time, uh, I think it was two tenths in the end. Yeah, it was. It was only two tenths. It oh was yes, one eleven zero from uh, Vettel and a one ten eight from uh, from Ricardo. Yeah, Vettel stole second off Hamilton in the second runs, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. It. Ugh, I I have never seen a lap like that. That was just sublime to watch it was absolutely perfect yeah and the the tension and the excitement around the whole thing as well i mean he, he was quickest in every session by the race but just uh, it was it's just magical it was just absolutely he's, he's a poet in a formula one car that guy to be honest i was waiting for the moment that the ferraris kind of went full on i i just, even into qualifying I, I just had a feeling that they would do something obviously the probably did a little bit because of Vettel getting as close to him as he did mm. but I I kind of I'm glad Ricardo got it but I was always a little worried that Ferrari were just going to come out of the blue and maybe try and pinch that off him but yeah. luckily not you, you never you never quite know with sort of Mercedes and Ferrari whether they're going to just crank it up that little bit more and give them that edge that yeah. they need to in, in qualifying do they but um the chassis that that Red Bull chassis this weekend has just been it, from from P one it looked on rails absolutely on rails they yeah. showed up and it was like it's almost like it was set up perfect out of the box yeah it was well we were saying it before in the last episode weren't we that you know we thought that the Red Bulls were definitely ones to watch whether whether they'd have the uh, the qualifying pace we weren't sure but clearly Daniel at least does. We don't yeah. know about Max, really. Yeah. But yeah, well, <laughs> in contrast, um, Max. For those of you who didn't see any of practice or didn't see any of the race, um, Verstappen binned it in uh, free practice free in exactly the same place that he binned it during the race in 2016. Yeah, um, identical incident. He wiped the front right against the barrier and spread its legs if you like <laughs> it's insane how similar that is to the 2016 crash like it is more or less identical it, the the only thing that's slightly different is he doesn't catch as much of the second corner's curb in 2016 yeah. but it is practically the same incident of clipping the right front on the inside exiting the swimming pool wiping out his steering by doing so and then just 
sort of diagonally heading towards the barriers and wiping out a car. Yeah. So, did, did you see the uh, the video that we did um, of his uh, of of the two side by side? Yes, I did see the video of them side by side, and that's when I realised how uncanny it actually was yeah. that they were yeah. how similar they were. Uh, I was like, the haters will say it is fake because it's it, it's almost like they've got the same footage one above the other the only way you can tell is the fact that it's a totally different car it's a fin it's got thinner tires the 2016 car but um absolutely uncanny crazy 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 yeah that kind of robbed us of a proper fight for pole in the end which was a bit of a disappointment but still like vettel getting two temps closer was kind of, you know it was still a bit of a fight yeah. Would you like to? Would you like to have seen Verstappen sort of up there in the mix? The main, the main reason I'd have liked to have seen Verstappen in the mix personally is because I genuinely want to know how much of that was Ricardo, and Verstappen mm. would have given you that benchmark, I think, because yeah. that gap to his teammate, you would have been able to work out what was him and what was the car, yeah. for sure. They were exchanging fastest um, sectors and laps through the entire of. Yeah, every session in practice, yeah. they were they were sort of ripping chunks out of each other um, for the whole thing, and it was fascinating to watch. I, I was lucky enough to see every session, and it, just watching those timing screens light up with yeah. Red Bulls was crazy. Practice three, there was literally what was it one thousandths of a second between yeah. them. Yeah, it like it was a an eleven seven eight six and an eleven seven eight seven. Like that is insane. Yeah. And I, like I say, I wanted to know genuinely if that second that Ricardo's found from FP3 to Quali, or more or less a second anyway, mm. I want. I just want to know how much of that, like I say, is him. And unfortunately, we'll, we'll not know because yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Thanks to Max. Mm. So the the sad thing about the accident that um, Verstappen did have in free practice three, it meant that we couldn't get to see obviously that puts that that accident meant that Verstappen couldn't qualify he his car wasn't ready in time for qualifying so he would have to start 20th on the grid and that not only robbed not not only did that rob us of a amazing fight for pole but it also robbed us for a fight for the win because it's Monaco yeah um and that I think that would have been it would have been a different race if uh if he'd been if it had been a one two on on the grid for for Red Bull, that would have been a real fight for the lead there. Especially with those two, like they've been, you know, they've they've held no prisoners against each other really this year so far, mm-hmm. have they? So absolutely. Um, whoever was the second of the two was always going to be trying to take the lead from the other. I think um, yeah. the one thing it did give us, I guess, was um, the race from the back for Max to try and gain as many positions as he could and we got a little bit of something there but um, there wasn't, even still he didn't overtake that many people in overtakes did he it was, a lot of it was done under pits and stuff like that, it was yeah, bit, it, 50-50 there were a few on <clears> track, <throat> yeah, he actually lost two positions through the pits ah but, yeah, um, good point he uh, the so the the moves that he did do, I thought were on far far sort of subpar cars compared to the Red Bull. Yes. Um, as I say, the 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 chassis on both cars looked on rails the whole weekend. So it was almost like a different league. The the overtakes he, on the cars that he was making. Having said that, you know, an overtake at Monaco is 
still a valid overtake. It is not an easy place to get around another car. No. Pure, purely on like the width of the cars. These cars are like two meters wide now. Yeah. And there's places on the on the track where you know there's there's not an awful lot more than two meters. You know places where there's only four meters, so you, you wouldn't realistically fit two cars side by side. No, on that not track. at all. Uh, yeah, so it would have. I think it would have been. It, yeah, we did get a few overtakes, and it was interesting to see. It was cool to see him fight through the field. What I would have preferred, I think myself, for the race would have been those two head to head, especially given the 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 sort of tension between the two after Baku. Yeah, definitely. I think we would we were robbed of what should have been a good fight for the win because. I think even though Vettel got close to them in the end in qualifying, I'd have thought that there was enough. Max would have had enough to to keep him at bay um, for a one-two, or or at least even if Max had been sort of third or something with Vettel sandwiched in between them, Max would have probably had it in in him and the car to be able to take the fight to someone like Sebastian and, and probably gain that place back. So ultimately, I think we were robbed of a, a fight up front for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the the other thing that this this incident has done to Verstappen is it's kind of it's almost taken the edge off of him a little bit because he's he's been given the warning from from his team now to say you you know you've got to stop making these mistakes because yeah. he's cost the team some serious points here. That you know he's finished in ninth. He's brought it home in ninth at the end of the day, and that should have been quite an easy one two for Red Bull. Definitely. So he's, you know, to bring it home in ninth when there's all those points on the table. But, you know, he could have had another 18 points and he's come away with two. Um, yeah, so it, sh- it should have been an easy, easy one-two for them. But um, they've come away with two points and not the 18 that they probably should have. Yeah. On Verstappen's, on Verstappen's car. Um, Ricardo. Now, let's let's talk about Ricardo. Uh He's won for the first time in Monaco. Phrase that carefully because it's easy to sort of get wrong. <laughs> so he's won this despite having an MGUH failure, um, which I, that's the bit that's connected to the turbo, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, the heat. It's the heat com. It's the heat component. Um, yeah, because you've got you got the the K and K is the brakes, isn't it? The K the K is the kinetic. So yeah. yeah, from the brakes, and then the H is the heat, which comes from as far as I know, it's just everything expelled in terms of heat and gases and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and I that. think that includes the brakes as well, doesn't it? It takes heat from the brakes and Potentially, the Potentially, yeah. I couldn't, because, I couldn't tell you for definite, but... Well, the, the reason I say that is because as a result of the MGUH failure, his brakes were overheating like you would not believe. And I don't yes. know whether that's to do with it pulling heat from the brakes or whether it's to do with the MGUH having a influence on the slowing down of the car because it's obviously the motor slowing down will put, put energy Yeah, when, the when you lose something like that, you do lose a degree of engine braking because of yeah. how that system works. Um, and it, that won't have helped either. No. Especially on a circuit like that where it's there's very, very little distance between braking points. Yeah. Like, what well, the longest part of the track is that start-finish straight, and that is not that long no. <laughs> at all. Um, so he's lost 160 horsepower, 
from the MGUH. So he's 160 horsepower down, which if, mm-hmm. if for, for those that don't know much about horsepower, and the average family car is about, in the UK, probably only about 80 or 90 horsepower. Um, a, a Golf GTI is 200 horsepower. So it's almost a Golf GTI's worth of power. Yeah. Out of a out of a car, and that's a quick car. <laughs> yeah, it's you. You're talking probably around twenty percent because the the ones higher up, the engines higher up the grid are sort of pushing a thousand bhp. I'd say roughly. Yeah. Um, I haven't got any exact figures, but they're somewhere in that ballpark. So to lose like 160, you're talking easily fifteen to twenty percent of the power in the engine. I'd yeah. Say. Yeah. So he's lost all that. He's lost seventh and eighth gears. <laughs> as yeah. well <laughs> um, overheating rear brakes don't forget and he's still got the chassis and the grip to fend off the attacks from Vettel who himself struggled on tyres um, but I mean it, it's, it's being compared to Schumacher's 1994 drive where he only had fifth gear for the entire race for a big chunk of the race at Monaco um, and I think it's yeah I think there's circumstance which we'll get into there's circumstance around this victory that it, it was probably a slightly less of a disadvantage even than he than he would have been at another track, but still to not have sixth and eighth gear, seventh and eighth gears, and still get it round in these cars yeah. is it's it's a special drive I think isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's what it's something that I think is only possible somewhere like this because. Yeah. Unfortunately, anywhere else with a little more room and a little more um, sort of straight line circuit would have seen him swallowed up by yeah, the entire field. Would have, he would have had to retire, I think. Yeah, he would have in any like other race, down. he would. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christian Horner said that they were going to just keep it going until the engine goes. If it, if, if it go, Their attitude was, if it goes, it goes because it's Monaco. And and the other thing though as well is um, that we now get into the point where, by the way that the engine allowances work, this is sort of around that point where the first engines are expected to last two, and mm. teams would realistically be starting to look at moving over to their second of the allotted engines. So yeah. it's not such a bad thing that it's packing up around about now because this is around the point in the the life of the season that they'd expect it to be lasting to. Maybe they probably would have wanted to try and take it to Canada and see Canada out with it, but I think that it's it's one of those that would have maybe been an FP1 engine or something like that. You know, one of those that doesn't see any more races after Monaco, effectively. Yeah, I I, I would say I'd agree with that. I'd be inclined to agree with that. They're... They're definitely getting to the point. I mean, how many? It must be a couple of thousand miles on these engines now. A few thousand. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So Vettel, Vettel struggling with the tires. So I had a, I had a really, really funny reference in the uh, in the commentary. Um, they uh, referred to Ricardo as a wounded animal, and uh, Vettel as. A vegetarian, <laughs> because it, I did not hear that in the commentary. <laughs> because he didn't have, the, he said he was attacking with the verve of a vegetarian. <laughs> that was so, brilliant. As in, the meat of the wounded animal wouldn't wouldn't be that attractive for a vegetarian. Obviously, <laughs> we're, not, we're not hating on vegetarians. 
<laughs> we mustn't do that because I know lots of vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Vettel really, really struggled with the tyres, as did Hamilton, um, as did Raikkonen, and to a lesser degree, Bottas, who actually put the super softs on instead of the ultra softs. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ricardo had no problems at all with his ultra softs because he the, the rebels were so good at switching those tires on all weekend and they didn't get any grain in or any, they didn't visibly get any grain in or anything like that. Whereas all the cars behind him were all just mark tires covered in marbles. Like you could see it on camera, just the the roughness. Normally you have yeah. a really really shiny surface, a relatively shiny surface on a on a Formula One car when you see them going around the track. And you can always tell when someone's got rough, ragged tyres when the surface of that tyre has got dark lines on it as the tyre spins. And literally all four cars behind him, all three of the cars behind him had had really, really bad graining on the tyres. And that is what stifled the attack, I think, of Vettel. He, he had the power to get past him, but he just couldn't get that power Onto the through the tires onto the tarmac to to produce the acceleration needed to overtake, and that's why we had such a slow pace as well because they all grained their tires up and they just couldn't they couldn't keep yeah. up they couldn't stay close to each other, um, which is a bit of a shame really, I think. Um, I I like to see really really close racing, you know. That's why I watch V8 supercars Australian series when I get a chance because it's good to see people rubbing and up close and really really elbows out fighting for for position yeah but um if you want that i mean you don't really get that in formula one in general so that's why you have to go to other places to see that kind of racing um could you get us an ice cream tom yes definitely would you what would you like <laughs> uh just a 99 flake please okay <laughs> i'll be back in a moment thanks um totally distracted myself there completely but never mind um yeah so we're talking about tires so you know it's 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 a shame that they couldn't follow each other as closely hopefully next season when the new rules come in and they can get a bit closer to each other maybe that'll change i think the biggest part of it was just they didn't bring enough of the correct tire none of the teams they all brought loads and loads of hypersofts and hardly any of the other compounds that were available yeah they went it was insane the amount of hypers that they brought. Really, really wasn't it? Like yeah. I saw the tire charts, what they were bringing, and it was just a sea of hyper. <laughs> when yeah. you looked at the chart, a sea of pink. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was. I mean, that was the situation for a lot of the cars. Um. I want to give a bit of a special shout out to Ocon who sort of he had a who had a decent race he managed to maintain his sixth position that he started in in a force india that was you know at the start of the season not really up to much and over the last few races the force indias just seemed to be getting better and better and stronger and stronger yeah the the, the upgrades that they've brought to it um seem to be making an impact and I could be wrong in saying this, but I don't think they're still at where they wanted to be by the start of the season. So hopefully when we return from Canada, we will see further upgrades to it. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here because yeah. they're right now looking at this result, like Mon the Monaco Monaco's kind of a special case, but they're, they're best of the rest. You know, Ocon sixth. They're looking it. 
that's that's higher than they were. I'm sure they'd be one place down if uh, Verstappen had qualified where he should have. But still, you know, yeah, it's it's good to see Force. I like to see Force India doing well. I used to call them Farce India because they used to make such a mess of things, but they've just really come on leaps and bounds that team over the last couple of years. Yeah. So excited to see what the rest of the season holds for those guys. What is next on our list of things to talk about? Uh, Clerk, isn't it? Probably. Charles Leclerc. Yeah, yeah. Um, Charles Leclerc, it's, his f- it's the first Monegasque driver to start at Monaco in, I think, 14 years. Um be more than that, wouldn't it? I can't. Is it fourteen or forty? I maybe say forty. Four, four zero, I can't remember 40. a monocast driver in my lifetime. It must in be all 40, honesty. Then. But aren't you fifty, Tom? Maybe <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's the first in a long time to start. Um, Formula One dot com did a really good feature with him where they where he's basically walking to work. At Monaco, yeah. from his place in Monaco to his his garage, um, and that was really exciting. To see lots of really interesting insight into um, what makes a young Formula One driver tick. Um, he unfortunately in the race after an okay qualifying, where he qualified 14th in the Sauber. Um, let's not forget, he had a brake failure um, late in the race, and it unfortunately caused him to crash into the back of Hartley it was a pretty scary accident I thought I thought it was quite lucky to to come away from it um, without any 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 a any more damage to the car and b as a result of that any damage to himself because yeah could have been a lot worse the, yeah the, it, it's always scary to see an accident down the hill out, out of the tunnel and um, that's exactly where it happened you you, are, you can see like the puff of dust come out of his um his front left and from the onboard you can see that the right front is like fully locked up and the left front is just spinning 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 still attached to the car and then they eventually just luckily hit the back of Hartley and that, that absorbed a lot of the speed I think because Hartley's like hard on the brakes at that point yeah so um if he'd not hit Hartley there then he would have been sailing up into the barriers at the at, right at the back of the track where uh, I think it was DC who had a big accident years and years ago DC's had a big one there I think um and it it almost reminded me a little bit of the time Raikkonen ran into the back of Adrian Sutil in exactly the same spot except that was more Raikkonen losing the car under braking rather than the car failing under braking. Yeah, uh, but it was it was very similar in the way that the car just wouldn't stop and it was struggling to hold on to it in general. And it it was a passenger realistically, um, Leclerc. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not it's never nice to see. There was another there was a bad one. There was a really bad well a, a similar sort of near miss that um, uh, Rosberg had a few years back. Um, and that was he actually went down the other side of the barrier he went carried on down the track but he was inches off it in that barrier and then of course Perez had a really big one there one year um, do you remember that one the Perez one in I think it was in the Force India or the McLaren oh no it might have been the it, no he's in the was, Sauber actually it was his first year was it the Sauber I think it was the Sauber yeah yeah yeah, it was that was awful that was, he was just sort of barreling down the road into it he almost like catapulted into it it was, 
really that really that was where that. yeah that was where he hit the um he hit the divider that's in the middle of the road normally isn't yeah. it like he lost it and went into the barrier a little like leclerc in all honesty but he hit the barrier on the right a lot harder lost that front and then just would again was a passenger and he hit that dividing reservation with all the tech pro stuff around it and everything yeah. um yeah. but that was a pretty heavy hit yeah that was a really heavy hit that was the year that um there was there was a bit more of a hump coming out of the tunnel and it was right yes. on the braking point so they were all like they'd all hit the brakes go over the hump and then because the hump was such a, a kick it had unload the car it'd lift all the weight off of the car and lo- almost launching it like a ramp into the air and um it was just loosening up the rears and smacking everyone into the barrier to the right it was it was a really really sketchy uh set of accidents yeah i, I could be wrong but i don't know if they've moved they've actually moved that section of the road the dividing thing back further in a safety thing for races i might be wrong but i think that if you look back at what it was like when perez hit it compared to what it's like now i think the the structure of it's changed a little bit just because of accidents like that then again it might have been moved further back from the DC crash <laughs> to where yeah. Perez hit, and it's maybe not changed since Perez. But I know that there's definitely been alterations made around there because of the way people yeah. fit it in the past. Um, so yeah, he, he was he was very lucky. Um, it's it's testament to how safe these Formula One cars that you can have an accident like that where you go up the back of another car and yeah. you you get out, and you walk away like it's literally like it's nothing. It was absolutely fine, um, and that that was probably the biggest. Uh, the biggest moment in the whole race, really, in terms of like incident, like this is one of those very rare Monaco's without a safety car, which is absolutely uh, yeah. I was, unheard of. I was just about to say, despite that incident, we didn't need a safety car just because of the way that um, Leclerc ended up down that escape road, which sort of leads back towards Sandevot at the beginning of the lap, and um, Hartley managed to bring the Toro Rosso back round to the pits with its rear wing hanging off. Yeah, upside down yeah. rear wing on the back of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh upside down components on Formula 1 cars. Um so yeah, that was that's that is pretty much all the fun stuff that happened at the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> um we'll do a quick rundown of of who's gone where just in case we missed anyone. So obviously the winner um Daniel Ricardo uh, and what a drive. Um, second, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, third, Lewis Hamilton. Fourth, Kimi Raikkonen. And fifth, Bottas. So anything to say about the Mercedes and the Ferrari that were not covered? I think they're more or less where we expected them to be. Um, Ocon sixth, as, we, as we've already mentioned. Uh, good drive from him. Um, Pierre Gasly, seventh, started in tenth. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's made up a few places. Uh Hulkenberg, and that's in the Honda. That's what I wanted to say. Um, Honda. So the obviously Alonso went out. Alonso had a gearbox failure, um, so he pulled over to the side. It was just uh, there was something. I, I know it's a gearbox failure, but there's something ironic about seeing a uh, Toro Rosso going past a broken down McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> when when the McLaren was breaking out so much last year with the Honda engine, and and him not finishing in the points leaves only. Vettel and Hamilton to be the only two now that have finished in the points every race. Really? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's that's a that's a shame for Alonso to to end that record. Isn't yeah. It? 
Um, so yeah, speaking of Alonso, that was a so it was a DNF for Alonso. He was the first, actually the first DNF of the race, which we'll we'll get to all that in a bit, I guess, won't we? Yeah. Uh, Nico Nico Hulkenberg in the Renault eighth, uh, Verstappen brought it home ninth, as we already said. Uh, so he managed to get it from the back of the grid to ninth, um, got himself into the points, which yeah, I guess damaged the mutation, but you know should be doing much better than that. Um, Carlos Sainz uh, he finished tenth behind Max Verstappen. Now just on that, they had a bit of a ding dong, didn't they? The two of them. Yes. Um... There, that is something we've not mentioned about the race, thinking about it. Yeah, which is quite important. <laughs> <laughs> so Verstappen, um, f- well, first of all, the start of it, Verstappen more or less had a run on him and Carlos Sainz ran straight over at the uh, chicane at the bottom of the hill, mm-hmm. out, out of the tunnel. Um, Carlos Sainz went straight on um, having sort of being forced wide a, a little bit like he, I guess he couldn't have got in so he had to go straight on but he, he kept he maintained the lead um, and then on the very next lap Max Verstappen really bumptiously with his elbows properly out went for it again and this time got it but I would say that he went off the track and that it wasn't a valid overtake what would you what's your take on? Um, the thing is during the race as in after the first incident where Sainz cut that chicane complex and, mm. and maintained his lead over Verstappen, I was expecting the, the stewards to possibly say he needed to give it back, but I was still a little undecided. And I'd not really had a chance to fully decide myself before Max then made the second move the next time round. And the only reason I thought that they might be inclined to tell Science he needed to give Max the place is because Max did make a fairly good move under braking to get fully alongside Science on the inside yeah. and also made the corner. So it's not like Verstappen got alongside and then overshot the corner. He made the corner mm. valid. And it's, it's whether or not Science should have... Maintain the position or not, and it's up for debate, definitely. Um, so you're talking about the lap before, yeah. When... But I think I think that leads to the then being no action on the second one because they'd not had chance to fully make the decision on the first one, and they've ended up just saying, "Well, fair's fair. If 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 science is yeah. going to keep the position for what he did, Max is fair enough to keep the position for what he's done." I think. That's what it's ultimately come down to. It's come down to yeah. tit for tat. Um, and I think yeah. a lot of people on the Max side would say he at least attempted to make the corner and cut as little of the corner as he possibly could, almost sacrificing the car to a degree because hitting that sausage curb was possibly not his brightest idea, but he wanted yeah. to commit to the corner. So, yeah, it's. I think. I think it's tit for tat if I'm honest, without mm. trying to sound like I'm taking sides. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm inclined to agree with you. I think the, the, the stewards probably saw it and thought, you know what, it sorted itself out yeah. on the track. There's no need for us to intervene. And you know what? Fair play. You don't want to see the stewards intervening too much with these things. So I've not seen huge complaints from either driver, to be honest, from what I've noticed. Um, Verstappen was a little vocal initially saying, I think he's cut the chicane there, like, you know, trying to bring it to the yeah. attention. But then... From after the race, I've not seen either of them particularly upset about the way things went down. 
in the heat at the moment during the race or just after the overtake um, that Max did, Carlos went on the radio set complaining that he'd, he, and I quote, cut the sh- it jumped the chicane massively, yeah. he said. So that that was Count Sight's view of it at the time. But I think post-race, yeah, they've been conspicuously uh, very, very quiet about it on both sides, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. Even though we've so we've we've sort of put that one to bed a little bit, but my gut feeling overall is probably that it was a little bit dirty. I thought on Max's side, the uh, the move like the more I, I've seen it a few times today because I was doing a little thing for it earlier, and yeah, I, I, the more I watch it, the more I thought, you know what, that shouldn't be allowed. Like it was four wheels, it was more than two wheels over the over the. Curves. Is that on the second one? Yeah, yeah, that's the second move. Yeah, that's the Verstappen move. I've got, got a ahead. feeling that had Science not skipped and skipped the corner and kept the position the lap before, they might have had words with Max about keeping that position. I think mm. he's. Pro- I think like like I say because it's almost tit for tat. I think that it, it is a case of they were going to possibly ask Science to give Max the position and. Because Max somehow managed to work his way through, they maybe left it. It wouldn't surprise me if in the driver's briefing for the next race it gets brought up, brought up oh, um, yeah, because yeah. one of them's probably yeah. bound to ask. Um, and to be honest, if I was a, a driver from you know outside of the incident, I'd be saying I'd want some clarification on that. So it definitely would not surprise me if the drivers in the pre-race briefing for Canada brought that up with Charlie if he's not already been discussed between people yeah um, I, I'm with you 100% there and um, one thing I will say in to, to Max's credit is that he has got the thing that Senna had where people he, he psychs people out yeah and like that's why that's why uh, Carlos took to the escape road because he they know that he Max is not the sort of driver who's going to give you any space, any leeway. He's come when he's coming through, he's coming through, and it's up to you whether you want to crash into yeah. him or not. And Senna had that exact thing, and Senna was, as we all know, a yeah, legend. he's regarded one of the greatest in the so, spot. So yeah, and I'm not, I'm not going to say Max Verstappen's a legend just yet, but he's, he's very young, and there's a lot of years of racing in him, and you know. He's, he has got great potential. Hopefully, he can get this sort of, you know, crashy run behind him yeah. now. Le- level his head a little bit because I felt like the the crashing free practice free was just pointless, absolutely pointless. He 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 was distracted by the the slow moving car that had moved out of the way and he was on the racing line. And what he should have done is just bail out. Yeah. Of it. It it was so distracting. You could see he'd been distracted because in the movement of the car, you could tell the way he jutted the car around a little bit as he went round the Renault. And I just felt it's practice. It's it's free practice, free. It's Monaco. Bail out of it. Save the car. Don't take the risk. It's practice. Save it for. And the other thing is, you're the only two cars that have gone sub one twelve. Like you know, it's not like they were pushing to find time. no. In the Red Bulls, so it, like you say, it's it's silly to have still gone for it. I, I heard, I think it might have been from Brundle um, on the on the Sky coverage, but I I definitely heard whilst I was watching free practice the um, 
comment that it was possibly the fact that he'd he'd gone round the slow moving car and then entered the chicane slower than normal and it's messed up like a turning yeah. point reference and because you've scrubbed off that few extra miles yeah. an hour, you've gone for a turning point reference and it's left you all, all valid albeit anymore, yeah. like millimetres, it makes a huge difference when the walls are that close to yeah, the edge of the circuit. Um, yeah. Well, when you're going that fast, like the, the, the milliseconds difference when you're going that fast is... Is is it's a fair yeah. distance on the track, you know. In 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 terms of meters, that's that's a long way. It can be a long way. So yeah, I I can totally see that, absolutely. But yeah, like he he's, sh- he's showing, is definitely showing a level of maturity that isn't quite fitting of of a of a of a driver of his level. Yeah, I would say, and he just needs to sort of improve his decision making a little bit. I guess that's. That'd be my. I mean, who am, who am I to <laughs> advise a Formula One driver? But you know, it, it definitely feels as though he's. He, I've said it before on this podcast. He's, he's driving with desperation at the minute, and he doesn't need to. He's got he's got the skills. I think there's maybe. I, I wonder how much he's comparing himself to Danny Rick. Is where I'm trying to go with that. Is you know. I wonder if he sees himself as because of the because of how notorious Red Bull are for chopping and changing drivers, yeah. he's potentially seen himself as if I don't beat Daniel on a regular basis, mm. you know, Science, Gasly, whoever is right behind me. Uh, yeah, I might yeah. for the chop. And yeah. so I can understand maybe where but if he's going to be a professional race driver, he needs to get that kind of stuff out of his head and focus on doing it on the track. Yeah, it's, it's part yeah, of the job. Exactly, it's part of the job, isn't it? Um, but you know, let's let's be optimistic. I, I think he will get through it. I think he's he's having a bit of a. I think it's ta- it's taken something like this. The win could have been his yeah. easily this weekend. And it sometimes it takes an event like this for any young person to. You know, a big shock event to to sort of shock you into changing a certain behaviour, and hopefully for Max, this is this is this would have done it, and he'll he'll start sort of leveling off. I mean, he showed a lot he sh- straight away in the race. He showed a lot more maturity than I've seen him show in past races. Yeah. So, despite the uh, the dirty move on science, <laughs> I'll call it. Um, but yeah, you know. So good luck to you, Max. Hopefully, you let, let's get it together. Seems I was the only person that was making moves. Would you consider him for move of the day? <laughs> I, well, absolutely. There's no. I mean, there's no one else to consider for move of the day. But um, yeah, I'd say his his start was for me. If if let's let's do move of the day. Yeah, um, probably his start was was the move of the day for me. He did two cars off the yeah. line. There was there was a fairly decent yeah. one on. It was one of the Williams. I'm gonna say it was Stroll because I'm sure Sirotkin was one of the ones that he did off the line. Um, yeah, Stroll was out of the yeah, tunnel and going down into the port chicane. Um, yeah, it it, it wasn't anything I, that I, special about it. It was just clean and clinical. Like, yeah, it was a very, it's very yeah. textbook, wasn't it? But I. I so textbook that I wonder how much of it was strong thinking. Yeah, I'm not fighting this. Yeah, Um, but in a circuit with limited places to overtake and a high risk of coming together with other cars, I guess you've got to be clean and clinical. But yeah, I can't really think of anything else. 
I know we sometimes give it to like team moves as in good pit calls and stuff like that, but there wasn't even anything from that perspective really that affected the race, was there? No, I mean, it's a one-stopper, wasn't it? That was the thing, like, just, oh, it's, yeah, I I mean, there's there's a whole, the race, I think, it's such a hyped race, and when you have a race with very little action like that one, especially having watched the F2 races, which I'll, I'll, I'll skim over in a minute, the F2 races were really action-packed, and the Formula 1 race was just super yeah. dry. <laughs> like, there's nothing really happened other than... The, the, there was a tension to it. There was absolutely a, a good tension to it, but it just didn't really come to any real head because everyone was on the wrong tyres. Yeah, and it's it has been for a long time a race that really takes place on the Saturday. That that's your yeah. that's your real yeah, Monaco it, race in in fairness, isn't it? That's for me anyway. That's yeah. where the spectacle is. Like that is the bit that I focus in on each year is the because yeah. it it doesn't decide your race order, obviously, but it goes a long way to helping. Yeah, <clears throat> it's as uh, as Danny Rick said, it is fifty yeah. percent. It's of a the lot. Job it's done. a lot more critical here than anywhere else on yeah. the calendar. Yeah. I'd say it's more than 50%. I'd say it's 75% yeah. at least of the job done. But, um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Danny Ricciardo, who are you going to give driver of the day For me, to? it's between him with the wounded bull and probably Ocon because it's a best of the rest drive, um, but it was a solid one at that. Um, and he qualified, where was he? He qualified sixth. And Sixth. held on to it, yeah. which I know it doesn't sound like much, but you know, there's there's plenty of opportunity to make a mess of it around there and he avoided any of that, so Yeah, yeah. Well when you've got the likes of Fernando Alonso yeah. behind you, Carlos Saints no Science no slouch, um, his teammate Perez just behind him. Hulkenberg's um, not exactly yeah, a, a bad guy Hulkenberg. to have around there and stuff like that, so Yeah. Even Gasly as well, you know, like there's some there's some seriously s- yeah. serious talent around that midfield pack. So yeah, I, I'm with you. But I think for me, it has yeah. to go to Ricardo just because, despite the circumstance and and people not really having the equipment to put up the fight to bring it home the way he did and to keep it going and to to manage the situation the way he did under the pressure, then to me that's a yeah, champion definitely. drive. So for me, it's Ricardo. Um, WTF. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Um, so we've got I've got Verstappen down for two of these. I've got two Verstappen ones. Um, one is the controversial overtake on science, which we covered, and the other one is him binning it in free practice three, which we've also covered at length. I th- I um, think it probably would be the FP three thing for me, just because there wasn't anything that significant in the race. It's there's n- like. Yes, we've got the incident between Leclerc and Hartley, but as we've covered, there's pretty much zero the driver could have done about that. It's it's a car failure ultimately, so I can't put that down as a WTF in any way, shape, or form. Um, mm. I know the thing is controversial with the the overtake with Science, but I just think it's something that kind of worked itself out, and I think. I think yeah, the real, the real, right it, he wouldn't have been in that position were it not for the FP3 thing in the first place. So I think it all comes back down to that. Yeah. That was the catalyst of 
all those any you know any other events for for the rest of the weekend for him the the lack of qualifying um the fact that he wasn't hiring the points the fact that he's having to fight people like science uh, making his way through the yeah. field so I, I, it's got to come down to fp3 for me for him yeah I, i'm i'm with you and not only all those things you've said but really like it, as a as a fan watching i was really excited through qualifying and uh, through practice to, to get to the race and see yeah. these two going head to head at the race and as so often happens in Formula 1, the two drivers you want to see head to head don't ever actually get head to head and it's it, that that's what frustrated me to, the most and that is why I'm giving Verstappen the uh, WTF award yeah. today I'm good with that um, okay so quickly, a couple of quick things because we're running out of time um Formula 2 races, two really, really good races. I'm going to go over it really, really quick. Um, there's a lot to unpick inside of them, and maybe we'll cover it in another episode, but we're not going to have time today. Um, both were, both races were jam-packed with incident and action. Um, there were split strategies. There were pit entry spins. It was nuts. Um, Makalov won the sprint race, and Fuoco won the feature race. Um with some of the championship contenders struggling, Norris managed P2 in the sprint race and only sixth in the feature race, while Russell retired from both races. Um, two drivers that have big, big Formula One yeah. backing and uh, and potential as well. Um, Russell really, really never really got a, a, a clear no. session, so he, he just couldn't get into the groove. Um, Norris, he had a really controversial moment with, was it, who was the other driver? In the oh, world? now you put me on the spot. Uh, Bashong. Bashong, that was it, yeah. Norris had a controversial moment when he bumped into Bashong on the final corner and wiped the left side off Bashong's car while Norris carried on unscathed. How he fitted through the final corner as well during that <laughs> yeah. accident. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll have to put a link. We'll put a link to that in the episode actually, so people can watch it because it's worth a, it's worth a look. And you know what, the races are absolutely worth watching, um, even if it's just the highlights. It's they were super super exciting. I would say they were better than the Formula One race, but they usually are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, not really supposed to say that. Yeah, we've said it now. Um, yeah, uh, so that's the Formula 2 that's that covered really quick um, news, uh, lots of questions for Daniel Ricciardo this weekend about where he's going to go and a silly season approaches, obviously every, everyone's asking everyone where everyone should go um, Rosberg thinks that Ricardo should go to Ferrari. Uh, I don't think they'd have Ricardo because he beat Vettel when he was at Red Bull, and Vettel would probably veto it. He's, Vettel says he doesn't have a veto, does. but he does, doesn't he? It's like it's like the Schumacher does. era. Everybody said Schumacher didn't have that kind of power in the team, but we all know full well that he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Ferrari. Have you ever heard a word of truth <laughs> come out of the the the, uh, <laughs> the Ferrari garage? Um, uh, next bit of news was uh, oh actually just on where, where where do you think Ricardo should go? Like, I know we've we've probably asked I don't know about before, should go, nice. but I think that of teams on the grid with potential to um, a offer him a position, yeah, and b be worth the move away from Red Bull. The only realistic option I think is Mercedes probably, um, unless. Mm. The something like the McLaren started coming good with a Renault N engine, but then if the Renault engine starts coming good, he might as well stay at Red Bull because in terms of chassis development, McLaren and Red Bull are 
are very similar teams in terms of what they're trying to do. So realistically, I yeah. think that his option is Mercedes and Mercedes alone. I think engine-wise, Mercedes is probably the only realistic option. In mm-hmm. fact, all things considered, I'd say Mercedes is probably the only realistic option if they'll take him. Because, you know, you're not telling me that Hamilton doesn't have a veto either at Mercedes. Yeah. I'm sure he does. Um, I, I'd love to see him go head-to-head with Hamilton myself. Um, ha- having seen him beat Vettel at Red Bull, um, I'd be really interested to see how he stacks up against Hamilton. But um, that's that's a story that I'm sure will unfold very gradually. In due course. <laughs> over, the, over the next months. Um, uh, the last bit of news, just a really quick one, was that the teams have been promised new engine rules by next month, um, which is, I'm pretty sure they said that last month, um, with Aston still showing an eagerness to be involved from 2021. So speaking of engines, um, and, and Red Bull and Aston Martin, you know, and and Danny Ricardo, this could all be a factor in in where where Ricardo ends up and where many other drivers end up as well. So there's a lot of sort of pieces at, at play at the moment, aren't there? Yeah, Tom. Um, <laughs> yeah the the 2021 proposals have been made, just not decided. Um, yeah. And this is all the the factor of making things official. Um, I don't yeah. think the teams have reacted too negatively to anything specifically that I'm aware of. Um, the only thing that was maybe up for a little debate was the spending caps that they were looking at bringing in for 2021. But I'm sure yeah. that'll work itself out. Yeah, that's that's the different thing. That's sporting regulations as True. well. That's, it's, that, it's there's all, a long it, old path down yeah, there. Yeah. It's all something separate. Yeah, I think the thing with Liberty is they don't want to come in and just start stomping around, sort of changing everything around straight away. You know, they want to sort of ease it in a little bit. Um, yeah, which is why these these engine regulations take. I mean, they should really. They ought to have got all this engine stuff wrapped up by now. I think because it takes needs- a long time to put these engines together yeah it needs to start coming to a close very soon because mm. like you say you know we're it's 2018 now they, they need time to be able to work on and develop the engines they can't be leaving it last minute so mm. yeah um so that's that that's 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 everything news wise um shall we go into predictions yeah i guess so do you want me to run through them for you save you yeah you save can, your you voice a little yeah that'd be nice uh, no problem uh, i know this is usually your bit but You've done the other bit. I so do. I do I'll enjoy give, this give bit. You a, but I'm gonna, I'll give you a rest. I will, I will secede to you. This time, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good job Chris isn't here because he's probably avoiding a scoreless <laughs> embarrassment. Um, what was he? Thinking? So, <laughs> yeah, what was he thinking? So, in terms of us, um, it wasn't that brilliant a week to be honest. Um, no. Chris got absolutely nothing because he went for a Raikkonen double, a Grosjean DNF. Uh, why why did he do that I don't know what he was what thinking. the Raikkonen double yeah I don't know he's going on flash years form isn't he I can I yeah. can see it slightly but he went for 13 yeah. finishes much like myself and he thought Ocon would only get 15 if he thought he'd be one of the retirements so nothing at all for Chris um like I said at the top of the show, I was expecting maybe Ferrari to turn it on in qualifying but not have the race pace, so I went Vettel, got nothing. But I got a point from a Ricardo win at least, and Magnussen behaved. Yay. And I was so close with Ocon because I said seventh, but I was a position out. Yeah, and you were 
you oh, got a double unlucky. Rick. You got a Rick quality and a Rick win. Um, yeah. But we were nowhere near. Um, notable entrance to the league, however, were Harvey Edwards topped the board this week with 3.5. So he also got the Ricardo double, much like yourself. Um, he got... Half a point on the first DNF because nobody was right with Mr. Alonso and nobody mentioned Mr. Leclerc either. So there were quite a few people, though, did go for Hartley. Um, it was a, a sea of the name names like Sorokin, Grosjean and Hartley for some reason. I know it said I was looking through the list. Um, so quite a few people picked up half a point for Hartley and um, the number of finishes was 17 so he also got a point there um, the, there wow. were two people who got Ocon's finishing position right that was Ida Carew and someone down the board in Darius Fagan that was the only point Darius scored Fagan yeah. great name um, but yeah another rubbish week for us but I, I will stand by the fact that we handicap ourselves by predicting it a week we, before we do, the race we do. I mean, Chris does, doesn't he? He's down in 50th. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I'm quite pleased with that result myself. Uh, it's put it's moved me down. Oh, I don't know. Let me check. I'm down in seven. Yeah, you're still, you're still in touch. Uh, Tom Austin Morgan so, has retained his lead. I'm trying to remember where he was last week, but he's on 11.5 now. So he has a little bit of a gap to a whole bunch yeah. of people chasing him in Dominic Poole, Henrik Lindoff. Jake Petroski and Oleg Sidorov all on 10 points. So that top of the board is still pretty tight. And with five points a week, mm. to be fair, if anyone ever does get a, a good scoring week, like a, a four or a 4.5 or even a sweep, they're going to be right on these guys. It's, it's, yeah, it's still close. I'm in seventh and I only need three and a half points to get to first. Yeah. Looking at this. Unfortunately for so me. If Tom has a bad week or if any of these guys above have a bad week, it's, it's so tight. Unfortunately for me, I'm down in 28th and Chris is down in 38th. So, yeah. Um, how's how's your dream team? Doing? Um, oh, I haven't even checked that this week. <laughs> um, I'll tell you. My, I'll, I'll tell my, you how mine's, mine's not going to be very good because I had Alonso for one. Um, and Leclerc, I dropped Groshan for his constant crashing to put Leclerc in, and then yeah. Leclerc crashed. So that's not ended up very good for me. <laughs> Um, so in in our uh, in our league, um, the back of the grid F1 podcast league. So if if you want to join our league, by the way, it is you go into the Formula One website, um, you do your do your predictions, and if you go into leagues and um, you can join a private, you can join a you can basically search leagues inside the on the website, and you just search for back of the grid F1 podcast and you will find us there we would love for you to join us it'd be really really good fun if you did um and we may even have a prize for the person who wins in the end of the season as long as that person remains me at the top (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i've got 430 points and phil smith has is in second place behind me with 351 points and we've got a whole bunch of other people behind us there um yeah so join join in check it out yeah I'd, I, the less so I'll, I'll go i'll throw back the to less you say so. about these things the better because my my fantasy picking skills are not very good <laughs> yeah I, I think i've just got really lucky with mine to be honest and i did have hartley this last race and he massively let me down he got like negative points as did alonso yeah. this week so i've not done 
as as well as I have done in the yeah. past. Well, if you are interested in joining um, the Prediction League, as we've mentioned, you can go to backofthegrid.com where you can see all those leaderboards we've talked about. You can find yourself on there if you've entered. I'm sorry we don't get a chance to mention everyone each week, but there are so many of you, it's hard to squeeze in. So we mention as many of you as we can. Um, But yeah, if you're not already a part of it, make sure you register and start joining in with the fun. And as always, if anyone ever hits a perfect week, there will be a prize on offer as well as a prize for the overall winner. As Stu has already mentioned, you can head to the fantasy section of the Formula One website and search for the Back of the Grid League on there to join in with that fun uh, and probably beat us there as well, except Stu, who is doing remarkably well there. Um, (laughs) And if you'd just like to get in touch in general, you can do so by either heading to Twitter and finding Back of the Grid F1. You can go to Facebook and search for Back of the Grid um, or if you head to that website again at backofthegrid.com, you can fill in a little contact us form and we will get an email and we will always do our best to reply to you. Yep. One uh, one more thing to say is do not forget to like, share and subscribe to the podcast. You honestly, honestly, honestly would not believe how much it helps. It's it a does indeed. huge deal for us if you do. Yeah. I think that's it, is it? That shall is we, probably it for this week. It is another week where I'm amazed we've managed to talk so much about a race with so little. Yeah, never before have two <laughs> men spoken so much about so little. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I guess we should say farewell. <laughs> Bye, Tom and Stu episode! Yeah. <laughs>